three, two, one, zero, zero, and liftoff. This is Nuclear Knowledge. Production of the National Institute for Deterrence Studies. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Nuclear Knowledge, a weekly show of the National Institute for Deterrence Studies, where we are advancing peace, promoting stability, and helping you to think deterrence. I'm your host today, Curtis McGiffin. I'm the Vice President for Education here at the National Institute for Deterrence Studies, as well as a co founder. And today's show is about the five elements of deterrence strategy. The views and lessons presented here are my own. For decades, strategists have searched for the elusive formula for successful deterrence. In the 1960s, the strategy of assured destruction was developed, but the focus was on the Soviets and megatons of yield. In the 1970s, It was focused on essential equivalence, which focused more on targeting and messaging. Achieving deterrence is a very complicated endeavor, one that is more art than skill, one that is full of nuance and open to misinterpretation. That's why we must first understand the adversary we seek to deter, what motivates them to behave disagreeably, and what deterrent threat might be most effective before we can assess the best deterrence strategy. In 21st century deterrence, there are in fact four audiences for every action. The first audience is the adversary you're trying to deter. The second audience is the ally you're trying to assure. The third audience are the observing nations who may well be potential adversaries in the future, and they're watching and assessing actions and reactions. And the fourth audience is the domestic audience, the one here at home that's infused with issues of politics, persuasion, and payment. Today I offer the five essential elements of deterrence as a way to tackle the quest for a more perfect deterrence strategy application. I'm going to use pronouns in order to describe my generic scenario. So when I refer to you, I am referring to the party that is seeking to deter an adversary. That could be the United States, for example. And I refer to they, I am referring to the adversary or the target of your deterrence effort. Perhaps Russia or China. First, let's start with my definition of deterrence, which is the condition made or maintained by the deliberate expression of a credible threat designed to shape the perceptions of an adversary through fear of consequence or failure. To serve this definition, there are five essential elements of deterrence that can guide the strategist when formulating tailored and consequentially effective strategies to achieve deterrence. You might think of these five elements as the five vitamin C's of deterrence. Like all vitamins, they're essential to a healthy composition. These five items in theory can apply to any domain requiring deterrence, whether it be in cyberspace or outer space. 
and may be applicable to terrorists or rogue states. But today, we'll look at the five elemental C's through the prism of nuclear deterrence. So let's get started. The five elements of deterrence consist of the following items. The first is capability. The second is capacity. The third is creativity. The fourth is credibility. And the fifth and final element is clarity. We're going to take a few minutes and explore what each of these five elements contributes to the deterrence and how they might interact with one another. The first of our five elements is capability. Capability is about having the right stuff to deter your adversary. In this case, capability refers to nuclear weapons and other things associated with nuclear weapons and nuclear deterrence. If your adversary is nuclear armed, you may well require the capability of a nuclear weapon in order to reciprocate the deterring threat and symmetrically deter your adversary. Capability is the bedrock on which the other four elements are built on. The second element of deterrence is capacity. Capacity is about having enough of the right stuff to deter your adversary. Capability is first and foremost about numbers. For the strategy of mutually assured destruction to work, you must have enough nuclear weapons capacity to absorb the adversary's first strike and still have enough to retaliate in a devastating manner. This is the essence of the deterrence threat that is withheld. Having enough capacity to ensure your second strike nuclear retaliation guarantee is the essence of strategic stability. Capacity also addresses resiliency and redundancy within the nuclear deterrence enterprise. Capacity can be assisted with sustainable architecture that makes your nuclear deterrent more survivable and endurable on the worst of days. Your capabilities infrastructure and its tactics, techniques, and procedures can both enhance and be enhanced by resiliency and redundancy, which in turn positively contributes to the overall capacity of the nuclear deterrent. In short, the more weapons you can guarantee will survive a first strike, the fewer weapons you may actually have to retain and maintain for retaliation. Let's also include the human aspect of capacity. You must possess sufficient amounts of talent and expertise to operate, maintain, sustain, research, and manufacture the nuclear deterrent. To ensure the nuclear deterrent threat is tangibly credible, capability and capacity must be synchronized. In other words, you got bombs. You got lots of bombs. And they can't destroy them all in the first strike. Which means after they attack you first, you can hit them back in a salvo so big as to instill the fear to attack in the first place. Again, the essence of the deterrent threat that is withheld. The third element of deterrence is creativity. How to best apply the right stuff at the right place, at the right time, in the right mixture, and perhaps even how 
to place it in the right force posture. Creativity is about creatively wielding capability and capacity to achieve deterrence, but without provoking the war you sought to avert. This includes flexible, adaptable, and innovative ways to present a deterrent threat, often tailored to each individual opponent. Perhaps the best example of creativity comes from the, in the form of the strategic nuclear triad, where the attributes of each leg necessarily complicate the adversary's ability to target the nation's capacity. And while it's obvious to consider the application of creativity to the more tangible aspects of the nuclear deterrent, it is the creative application to the intangible policies, strategies, and force presentation that can also greatly contribute to both capacity and messaging. The fourth element of deterrence is credibility. Credibility is about being able and willing to respond with the right stuff. Both your friends and foes alike must perceive you as having a convincing nuclear arsenal and a firm resolve of nuclear retaliation. If your adversary is to be deterred and your allies are to be assured. Credibility is twofold. It's about the national ability and it's about the national will. First, let's explain national ability. The national ability of credibility is the sum total of the tangible elements of capacity and capability combined with the intangible elements of applied creativity. Credibility is born from the perception of the adversary that you in fact have weapons that work as advertised and to devastating effect and that you have enough weapons properly positioned that the adversary cannot eliminate them all in the first strike. Now let's describe national will. In context, Rand describes the national will to fight as the determination of a national government to conduct sustained military and other operations for some objective even when the expectation of success decreases or the need for significant political, economic, and military sacrifices increases. Now, this definition appropriately applies to deterrence because the adversary must perceive an intolerable national will to fight should nuclear deterrence fail. If they fear your will and ability to fight, they will be less likely to start that fight. National will and political resolve also extend left of the boom in the form of adequate and consistent peacetime funding and modernization of your nuclear arsenal, as well as any deterrence by denial capability and capacity deemed to enhance deterrence, such as ballistic missile defense and civil defense. The fifth and final element of deterrence is clarity. Conveying a message that you have the right stuff that you have enough of the right stuff, that you can apply the right stuff, and that you're willing to take that right stuff and fight to the end. Clarity in communication is a key factor in deterrence and can be conveyed in many different methods. One example is the overt national policy declarations, such as those found in the National Security Strategy and the National Defense Strategy. 
Another example might be the acquisition and modernization strategies of the nation's nuclear arsenal. Nations tend to spend money on what they find most important, and they tend to cut funding from the things they find least important. Another visible method of communication is through the activity of exercises, shows of force, port visits, and wargaming. Communicating preparation, demonstrating resolve, and testing capability can be very clear deterrent messages. Moreover, the adversary must understand what acceptable behavior is and where your red lines are. The adversary must understand the risk to themselves should they launch a first strike against you. Deterrence is sometimes deliberately clouded by policies of strategic ambiguity, purposely vague language and actions designed to keep your adversary guessing as to your reaction. Unlike battlefield strategy where secrecy and surprise are keys to victory, strategies for deterrence are better served by visible means and transparent ways. By that I mean, deterrence works best when the adversary can see the deterrent. If you leave the guessing to the adversary, they might just guess the wrong way. In summary, the five elemental C's of deterrence, capability, capacity, creativity, credibility, and clarity can be a seminal framework for which to formulate tailored deterrent strategies that address difficult situations. Like vitamin C, using these five elements can rejuvenate lagging deterrent strategy by focusing the nutrients of peace and stability into coherent and realistic national efforts that improve the chances of deterrence success. I want to thank you for listening to today's Nuclear Knowledge Show. I hope you learned something new and valuable about deterrence. Nuclear Knowledge is a production of the National Institute for Deterrence Studies, a 501c3 organization dependent upon donations to provide this podcast. Every donation helps keep this and many other deterrent-related activities happening and helps to bring about awareness of the peacekeeping value of U.S. strength and our national deterrence. This podcast is produced weekly, and each episode is released on Mondays. I invite you to check out our other podcast, The Nuclear View. You can catch it and all of our other podcasts on our website at thinkdeterrence.com. I thank our producer, Kimberly Charrington, our sponsors, and all the fantastic members of the National Institute for Deterrence Studies for making this podcast possible. Stay tuned next week for another exciting and informative nuclear knowledge. A production of the National Institute for Deterrence Studies.